HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. If you're a farmer in New York State, join the New York State Grown and Certified program to let people know your food is grown right, right here. Learn more at certified.ny.gov. I'm Tim Gunn, author, educator, and Project Runway mentor, and you're listening to Heritage Radio. Welcome to Magnifico Radio, bringing you the latest in ethical fashion, clean beauty, and sustainable living. I'm your host, Kate Black, and this is episode number six. And today's guest is Chef Rachel Winard, founder of Soapwalla, an award-winning luxury natural skincare line. And Soapwalla was born in founder Rachel Winard's kitchen one evening after months of unsuccessfully searching for skincare products that wouldn't aggravate her sensitive skin issues caused by systemic lupus, a chronic autoimmune condition that almost always affects the skin. Rachel believes that products are only as good as their ingredient, and her philosophy is, skin is our largest organ, and for it to function at its best, we must feed it wholesome ingredients. Rachel, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure entirely. So let's go back to the beginning. How and when did this journey in Sobwala begin? Sure. Um, So I went through a protracted period of being diagnosed with systemic lupus, which is pretty common. It took over a year to be diagnosed. Um, And I really became sick pretty much overnight. Um, I always had really easy skin issues. I, I, I never really had any skin issues, even when I was a teenager, and I certainly didn't have any health issues when I was a kid. Um, but pretty much overnight, I became very ill, um, and I started getting weird skin reactions. Blisters, hives, rashes, um, full-body reactions, anything you can name I've had. <laughs> um, and going through that process of being diagnosed with an autoimmune illness... Uh, really was a wake-up call. So I read everything I could about what might be going on inside my body and realized that up until that point, I really had been a pretty stereotypical consumer. I thought if a product was on a shelf, that somebody had vetted it. It had pretty packaging, means that somebody looked at what was on there uh, and realized that that wasn't necessarily the case and that a lot of the ingredients in the skincare products I had been using were actually exacerbating the issues that I was experiencing. And that's just the worst. I have friends with skin issues, like it, and it seems to be on the rise. Like I had read that eczema has increased 10% in the last little while. Um, and, and when you're trying to find that 
that salve or that solution and it's just getting worse. Yep. Like it just, it's bringing tears to my eyes just thinking about the pain. Okay. So, so how did this kind of lead to you in the kitchen? Well, late one night, really out of sheer desperation, I tried everything on the market at that point that was marketed toward me that said it was for sensitive skin or hypoallergenic or organic or natural, all of those buzzwords, which really that's what they were at that time, especially were just buzzwords. Um, I thought, okay, if I can't find it, I have to make it. So I went into my kitchen and I opened my cabinets and I said, if I can put these ingredients in my body, I can probably put them on my body. And that's where I started. Um, I needed a soap really badly to cleanse my skin and I needed a moisturizer to uh, keep it as calm as possible. So those were my focuses. And I used the ingredients that we had available in our kitchen and just grew from there. I'm completely self-taught. I read everything I could get my hands on, really everything. Chemistry books, um, aromatherapy tomes, like thousand-page tomes on aromatherapy and essential oils, um, herbology, botany books, and also um, old wives' tales. They have a ton of information about how plants were used over the centuries and all the different ways that you can use them. I can imagine. And even the farmer's almanac, like all of those kind of historic um, for the home or for homesteaders. And so were you a cook before? Like, were you kind of fearless in the kitchen? You just like, because I imagine if you're going to start to create a skincare (laughs) line that you must be able to be like, okay, this is a challenge, not a not a daunting task. Yeah, I uh, I am pretty I'm creative by nature and I love to cook and I don't ever follow a recipe. So I do like to do things um, by feel and I feel very comfortable in the kitchen. Amazing. So that was what, how long ago when you were? 2002, 2003. Okay. When I started. And then what's the iteration? Like how, how did this kind of develop into a brand? Did, did you finally find products that work for yourself? And then were other people asking you to help them? Like how did, how do we go from you in the kitchen to you as now this kind of renowned skincare line? <laughs> um, it was a long process. Uh, over seven years, I really, whatever I needed, I made. And then as friends and family came over and started using these products on well, hearing about me, because I was obsessed about this, <laughs> for it pretty much took over my life. <laughs> uh, they started requesting products as well. And uh, it, it really grew, no pun intended, organically from, from this late evening in my kitchen. Um, And after a lot of gentle prodding from friends and family, I premiered the line December 2009. So I took a full seven years to perfect the line before I premiered it. And what were you obsessed about? Like, what was the most, like, were you obsessed that you had been able to make it or were you obsessed that it worked or like, what what was like kind of driving you to share the news with everybody who would listen? Both of those, as well as just the ingredients themselves, like the the potency of pure ingredients was just amazing to me. Like we didn't need synthetics to get really incredible results and immediate results for our skin. Okay. So let's talk about ingredients then. Cause I had read somewhere that you love to um, like for blooms when, when things are in bloom is when you're, when you like to capture them the most because they have the most potency. So yep. let's talk about like, for example, what's, what's used most in your, in your line? What, what do you find yourself reaching for that sh- on the shelf every single, almost every single um, item in the in the line? I think it would be jojoba, which looks like an oil, but is actually a liquid wax. And um, it's most mimicked, or it, it's 
nearly identical to the oil that your skin naturally produces, which is called sebum, which is that kind of waxy, oily substance, you know, when you wake up after a deep sleep and you feel a little oily. Yeah. That's what's on your skin. Um, Jojoba is nearly identical to that. So your skin just soaks it up. There's no competition. Um, It's really incredible. I've never heard of anyone being allergic to jojoba. Um, and it's just, it's done wonders for me. And I'm the most sensitive skinned person I know. So I figure if I can use it, pretty much anyone else can. And does it give the feel like, so is it for application or it's for like some sort of, is it to give some sort of holistic um, ingredient to soothe the skin or what, what do what are you using jojoba for most? It's naturally soothing. It's also anti-inflammatory, naturally anti-inflammatory. Um, and it's really healing and moisturizing without leaving you feeling greasy because your skin really does just soak it up. So it penetrates the skin into those deeper layers um, and you don't feel like a grease ball. So it's got multiple purposes. It does have a therapeutic purpose of being anti-inflammatory and calming. Um, that moisturizing, like that nice slip which is, you know, that's that feeling that it rubs on nicely. It doesn't feel like you're that getting stuck on your skin. most people get from silicone and other yes. c- kind of additives. <laughs> so, okay. Exactly. So your ingredients feel like conventional ingredients, or your products feel like conventional products? I hope they feel better than conventional products, and I hope they smell better than conventional products, but they need to be as effective, if not more effective. And tell me about this dedication to food-grade organic ingredients. And, and your tagline for Sobala is feed your skin. Yep. So tell me how that kind of philosophy came about. Well, our skin is our largest organ. And in the last 10 years in particular, but really um, I think this has been a few decades coming, we've really started to investigate how our food is grown um, and really think about how what we put inside our bodies affect these organs that are keeping us alive and keeping us functioning really well. Um, the skin is our largest organ and keeps all those other organs <laughs> inside and working <laughs> and protected and working well. Um, and sometimes we forget that. It's also exposed to so many, like all of the elements, um, and a good amount of pollution, particularly here in New York City um, and other large urban areas. So it needs that, it needs some loving, it needs some boost any way we can give it to it. And one of the most effective ways is really high quality ingredients um, that are the same as, you know, like a salad that you need or a smoothie, you know, chock full of vitamins and minerals that your body can easily absorb. That's what I'm looking for in your skincare. So that's why I, I search high and low for the best quality raw ingredients that I can find. Okay, so we already talked about jojoba. What's the most expensive ingredient? The most expensive ingredient that I use right now in our products is blue tansy, which is this deep indigo essential oil. It's really, really anti-inflammatory and calms redness and irritation um, and is a fascinating um, kind of spicy floral scent. And it's in our balm, which we just released on October 14th. A skin balm or a lip balm? It's an all-body, so oh, okay. face and body. It's a concentrated repair balm, so you can use it. Um, like I, right now, it's all over my face and my lips, but you can also use it on your elbows or your hands or feet, wherever you need some intense love. And do you have any, um, do you have any psoriasis? Because I have some of my friends have psoriasis, psoriasis or eczema sufferers who, who have a particularly positive outcome when they use Sopala products. Yes. Um, I would say the number one f- feedback for specifically psoriasis and eczema have been our resilience pregnancy belly oil 
It oh. sounds like you should only use it while you're pregnant, but it was I originally created it. Um, I was getting a lot of biopsies done. Um, just as you know, par for the course of having lupus, and um, some other friends and family members, you know, also had some scar issues. So I crafted a really intense scar oil, and then when a whole slew of friends became pregnant and were started to become really concerned about what they were putting on their bodies, I reformulated it so it'd be pregnancy safe. Um, but it's just it's incredibly calming for psoriasis and eczema. Um, in particular, and very dry skin conditions, as well as the balm that I just mentioned. Amazing. Tell me again the name of it. The Resilience Pregnancy Belly Oil. Any idea? Are you going to rebrand it also for people who, like, because if you think about Google and search engine, yeah. you know, if I'm a psoriasis sufferer, I'm not going to necessarily be searching pregnancy. Although now that we're having this conversation, it makes perfect sense because you want something that's super gentle and you want something that's, yeah. you know, but I, I'm not sure that I would equate like scar or stretch marks with you know, my skin issues. Um, so let's talk about the, let's talk about the evolution of products. So you, you kind of created what you needed as you needed. So you started with the soap, then you went on into body lotion. So what's the, what's the kind of walk me through the kind of the evolution of everything that you've developed? Sure. Um, so yeah, I really needed a moisturizer and I really needed a soap. So our first two products that I made were the lavender French clay soap bar because that's really good for sensitive skin and it doesn't dry your skin, but it also, you know, thoroughly cleanses. You can use it everywhere. You can use it everywhere. Face, face and cheeks, body. Mm-hmm. cheeks, both, both sets both of sets. cheeks. Okay. <laughs> um, and then the restorative face serum was the face moisturizer that I created. Um, and I, it's pretty much that same formulation that I that I created originally. I have to say your skin is stunning. Like you're the second <laughs> beauty brand that's been in here. I had the girls from Intelligent Nutrients. Uh-huh. So Horst Reschelbacher's daughter and, and his um, spouse. And like your skins are just stunning. Like you're glowing from here. So well, I think <laughs> it's a testament for, I'm sure for the product. Okay. So after the face serum, then what? Then I made a body oil, the luxurious body oil. And that's pretty much the same too as what I originally created um because i'm a perfectionist so it takes me a really long time to sort of put my check mark next to the formulation to say okay it's done i can stop messing with it um so those took quite a while and then um you know as i developed body aches for the lupus i created some indulgent bath soaking salt so that i you know had something to help sort of ease muscle aches and joint pain in particular um, a body scrub, which is an almond luxe body polish, which smells like marzipan. It's really delicious. It has food grade uh, sugars and also um, ginger and cardamom and sweet and bitter almond oil. So it really, it smells incredible. And that was a gentle exfoliator so that it wouldn't um, irritate my skin, which was still very sensitive. But I, you know, I knew I needed to slough off dead skin and keep the skin as, as uh, healthy as possible. So I pr- specifically used sugar for that instead of salt um, because of the way that salt is processed it's often if you look at it um, under a microscope it has very sharp edges it looks a little bit like shale right whereas uh, sugar is tumbled so it's round so it doesn't have any sharp edges that can really irritate already sensitive skin that makes sense yeah and I made more soap bars as I needed specific things. And as friends started asking, so going back to the psoriasis and eczema, um, I made a bergamot cinnamon soap, which smells really, really good, and um, was specifically for a friend who was having um, eczema issues and really needed a gentle soap, but that still 
you know, got her clean, didn't overdry, and also calmed at the same time, helped with circulation. So that's amazing. And so, do you eat the way that you um, create? Like, are you a clean eater? Is this kind of a holistic lifestyle for you, or life cycle for you? That everything is kind of only what you need inside and outside. Yes, for the most part. I also believe in moderation. So, like, you know, I'll. I like to have sweets are my my definite uh, downfall, I guess. So I try to eat cleanly, um, but I also try not to make myself too crazy about it. Because that, that's easy enough for me to do. <laughs> I think all of us, actually. I think especially if you listen to this radio show for long enough and you start to hear all of these kind of... Um, these issues or these things that you start to go, oh my gosh, what can I do? But I love the fact that moderation, and I heard you make a mean cocktail. I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So um, let's talk briefly about um, distribution. Okay. Because when you go to conventional drugstores or supermarkets, it's really hard to find clean products. What's the, um, and I've had other guests in the past kind of talk about packaging and the shapes and the sizes. Like, it seems to be that there's a lot of hurdles to get into conventional um, shelves. So what, what's the biggest hurdle? Well, for me, it's a choice that we've made not to go that way Okay. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, distribution in the United States generally requires shelf lives of products that are much longer than ours because we use food-grade ingredients and we don't use harsh or synthetic preservatives. You need a pretty intense preservative system in place to have a five-year shelf life. Um, most of our products um, are two years. Some are six months, depending Okay, hold on one second. So in order to be sold, like at CVS, most of those products or all of those products have to have a five-year shelf life? Well, I can't speak specifically to CVS, but most of the distributor, distri- distributors, sorry, <laughs> distributors um, that work with those large big, big box retailers yeah. require a pretty long shelf life. The average oh, is five years. That makes so much sense because if you're not using a synthetic or a conventional preservative, then you're never going to have that kind no. of shop life. And It'd so do you, do your products have a best before date on them? We do. We have uh, stamps that we hand stamp. So we make by hand in small batches okay. in our Gowanus studio and we do everything by hand. So we, that includes the batching at the bottom of each product oh, that's and that amazing. has the best buy date on it. Okay. So, so systemically we need a shift in, in the way that distribution, distri- no, I can't say it, <laughs> <Sorry>. distribution <laughs> channels work so that we can, because I, I think that that's, to me, that's kind of the hardest. I mean, I don't, I don't mind the fact that you have to buy, um, non-toxic or clean beauty products at a market or through Etsy or like you kind of have to go out of your way. But when I think about this conversation we're having about eczema and psoriasis and people who, who are really in crisis and are going to their local drugstore, mm-hmm. it just seems so natural that they'd be able to find something cleaner and, and better there. But if, if, if it's a systemic issue, I'm wondering how we're going to get that changed. I think we need to support our small mom and pop stores and make sure that they can thrive. Mm. So even though it's easier to go to a large big box retailer and sometimes the prices are uh, structured in such a way that they're less, it's really, really important to support your local businesses. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Okay, let's take a brief break and then we'll come right back. And this one's called Relax, It's Just the End of the World by Taxstar. We'll be right back.
New York State cares about New York's farmers. That's why we've developed the New York State Grown and Certified Program. It's a seal New Yorkers can look for when they're shopping for food that comes from local farms. Customers are more likely to buy food that has the New York State Grown and Certified seal because it tells them that it comes from a farm that follows environmentally responsible, farm-safe protocols. In other words, the New York State Grown and Certified seal tells them their food is grown right, right here in New York State. You're a farmer with a lot to do, but the time it takes to sign up for the program is a great investment for your business because it lets shoppers know that your food meets higher standards, has passed assessments, and is produced by environmentally friendly farming practices. To learn about participating in the program, go to certified.ny.gov. And we're back. You're listening to Magnifico Radio. I'm your host, Kate Black, and I'm sitting here with Rachel Winard. She's the chief chef of Sobwala. So, Rachel, I was flipping through the Rachel Winard book, and I saw that you're a Juilliard-studied classical violinist. Yes. And then you were also a New York State attorney. Yes. How do, how do those previous lives or those previous chapters of your life contribute to your life as an entrepreneur now? Um, I think they both do. It's... Uh I don't sit still well, apparently. <laughs> uh, I, uh, violin has been a huge part of my life. I started playing when I was four, um, and I took immediately to it. And um, I often say that it's the first way I express myself. It's the most natural way I express myself. Um, so when I left Juilliard, I knew it was always going to be a part of my life. And it's definitely the way I, it's structured the way I think. I'm a very creative thinker, but I think in musical ways. Um, which might be hard for me to describe, but definitely I can see it when I'm formulating. I, th- I think of formulation sort of as a piece, ha- as I would craft a piece. As a composition. Yes, as oh, a composition. Lovely. And then uh, when I did a complete 180, <laughs> went to, to went to law school and practiced at a law firm, or two law firms actually, um, there was a structure there and an analysis that was really helpful because it's not innate to my way of thinking or doing. Um, and I think both of those two very distinct halves have helped me grow a business. Um, having that legal background certainly helps when I'm reading contracts or um, setting up structures in a way that um, you know protect us as much as possible, and you know just think in that sort of kind of very specific way. But the music also. For sure, I can totally get it. Actually, the right brain and the left brain, yeah. because you're making these these formulations and these, crafting these things, um, part with imagination and part with wonder. But you still need to like read the tomes and read the aromatherapy. So I can see it all kind of coming together beautifully. And so, and then there's this patience element because I had read um, in my also in the Rachel Winard book that <laughs> you had done two thousand iterations of your your best-selling product, which is your deodorant um, cream. So how does one stick with (laughs) it and carry on for 2,000 tries? Well, as I probably said earlier, I'm definitely a perfectionist. (laughs) Uh, That is definitely the music, too. Like, I would play a piece until it was perfect, and I would practice it and practice it and practice it and tweak it in all different kinds of ways until it really sounded the way I needed it to sound. And that I certainly bring to formulation as well. Um, I don't, it's not hard for me to stick with something until I really think it's perfect. In fact, it's harder for me to step back and say, okay, it's good. I can, I can release it. (laughs) Um, and the, 
the, I mean, 2000 just sounds insane, but the tweaks can be very tiny as mm. well. And and this idea about a cream, because um, I have a friend in Canada who has a, a, a healthcare line as well, and so she introduced me to a deodorant cream, and so it was my first experience, and it took me it took me a while to get into it, but but only because it's just a different like I think we're used to this like it's almost it's almost like um, a meditative experience you lift your armpit you do that swipe you close the armpit and yeah. and so when you're using a cream it actually it's a different ritual mm-hmm. you know you have to open the lid and you have to sweat and then you have to warm it in your hands and then you have to so i, I think it's more for me it took a while to just change the ritual yeah. why why go to a cream like why not use a a, a stick or a balm or, or something that can kind of fit into people's conventional idea about what a deodorant should, how it should go on. I love this question. I could talk about this all day. So I wanted, first I needed something that was going to be as effective as possible because I was competing with um, the stereotype of a natural deodorant, which is that it makes you stinkier than if you'd put nothing on. And also conventional antiperspirants, which work really well because they have pretty potent ingredients in there that stop you from sweating altogether. So I knew it had to be as effective as possible. And therefore, I didn't want any unnecessary hardeners, any unnecessary waxes, anything that would get in the way of its efficacy. Um, Also, I'm a design buff, so I wanted it to look good. And I wanted um, one thing that drives me nuts is when I get something and it's got so much extra packaging and it's got all of these doodads in the way and I can't actually get to the product. Like that really drives me crazy. <laughs> I generally dismantle those and put them in something else. Um, so I wanted clients to be able to actually access all of the product and that's true across our line. Um, third, you have complete control over how much and where you apply, which is a really nice feature. And fourth, there's something really nice about massaging an area that's kind of unloved. I, I totally agree. In fact, um, like if you think, well, it's Breast Awareness or Cancer Awareness Month. Yep. And so when you think about, you know, we're all supposed to be doing breast exams on the reg, but we never really touch the lymph nodes. Like we, we hardly yeah. really kind of go in there. And so when you're applying a, a deodorant cream, it gives you this moment to run your fingers along those nodes, which I, yes. which I actually started to find very kind of healthful or, or like, oh, this is a moment of care. Absolutely. It is. It's a little massage for your lymph nodes. Yeah. Yeah. And people love it. Yes. Right? It's the number one selling product. It's our number one selling product. And it works for everybody. It works really, really well. (laughs) Men and women. Yes. Um, 50% of our customers are men. That's amazing. And men don't have problems with the hair? That's the feedback we've heard. The number one feedback we've heard is that it's easier if you have hair because there's not a sticky, waxy substance that you're dealing with so that it gets stuck. Right. And it pulls. It actually soaks right in. That's it kind of conditions the hair as well. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the future of Sobuela. So, you know, it took several, several years of, of formulation. You've been in business. How old do you say you are? Six years now we're or seven six, years? We're six and a half. Well, well, a little over six and a half. Our seventh birthday will be December 1st, 2009. Oh, pretty happy birthday. Thank you. Um, and so distribution is global. Mm-hmm. And yes. so... We're like, in 150-ish stores around the world. Fantastic. Where's the easiest place for people to find? you? Um, probably our website, soapbala.com. Um, and then from there, they can go to the retailer page and find their local place. Oh, so, and how many countries are you, do you have distribution? We are in all of Europe, um, Canada, Mexico. Um, we're going to be in Brazil very soon. We're in the Pacific. 
Australia and New Zealand, and we're in um, a little bit of the East Asian. Uh, so you're kind of at that stage well. where are you being courted? Like if we look at some really kind of successful um, natural brands like Tom's was sold to Colgate, Burt's Bees, which was kind of everybody's favorite at the at the big box stores was sold to Clorox. Yes. So have you been courted? Are you going to sell soon? We have no interest in selling at this time. And we're also 100% owned um, and have been self-funded since day one. So we don't have any investors. Oh, wow. Yes. So I have 100% control over the way the country, or where the way the company um, grows and how we allocate our resources and our time and our energy. That must be liberating. Yeah. And so what's, what's on, on deck? Like just more distribution? Are you including new lines? Are you planning on kind of delving into to maybe other products you haven't released yet? Or Yes, we're definitely releasing some new products in 2017. And we're always looking to expand so that we can be in um, other like-minded small businesses around the world so that people can find us locally. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've yeah. seen you in Detox Market, I think. Yes, yes. In Toronto, I saw yeah. you, and then I also saw you in L.A. Yeah. So working, working with other small businesses. Yes. And why, why this kind of dedication to small business? Um, I think we are the economy that changes the world. I'm, I really think that small businesses are what really fundamentally create job growth and um, other kinds of growth and um, lovely perks in communities. Yeah, I totally agree, actually. And, and it comes up kind of almost with everybody that's been on the show so far that, you know, as consumers, our dollars have, have this opportunity to create big change. And yes. so when we're buying from small makers or local makers or people who really are dedicated and passionate about the products that they're making, which you obviously are, um, then we're, then we're actually really kind of shifting and, and making change, yeah. which I love. I agree. It's been entirely my pleasure. Thank Rachel you so Wannard, much. Thank you for coming. You can find more details about Soapwalla by going to soapwalla.com. I'd like to thank Roberta's Home of Heritage Radio Network, where you can find me each Monday live at 1 o'clock. I'm not sure if you could hear in the background. Today appears to be a very lively lunch hour. Um, and you can always listen to Magnifico Radio on iTunes or Stitcher. And please check out our blog or sign up for our newsletter at magnifico.com. Until next week. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.